We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the K-Troll. <laughs> Dave, you can't say that, okay? Like, normally the stuff is, like, balanced out because we have Shar and Lissa, and this week we don't have Shar and we have Dave instead. And now there's two dudes on the podcast? You, we can't be awful people because we don't have the joke of, oh, well, clearly the girls will keep him in line because we outnumber now. So we are the patriarchy and the problem. Always remember that. Oh, I know. I'm well aware. <laughs> Lissa will we'll do a good job of reminding us, right, Lissa? Yes, yes. I will <laughs> remind you that you are cis white men and the worst. <laughs> Don't forget we're straight, too. Like, you just want to toss also, in some yeah, hair problems. Well, I mean, as straight as you can be. Like, like you know, we, you know, you get fuzzy feelings sometimes, but, like, I think I, I've always described it the way that uh, Pete Davidson described his attraction to Ryan Gosling. It's, like, not so much that we want to have sex with him because that's not enough. You know, it, it like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't do it enough for me just to sleep with Ryan Gosling. It's like I kind of want to be him, but also be with him. It's hard. It's hard to describe. I think I just need a hug from a male figure because mm-hmm. I don't have one that's strong enough in my life. Uh, welcome mm-hmm. to Therapy Talk. My name is Terry Smith. Uh, we're gonna get into it today. Um, toss out and scrambled eggs and all of that jazz uh, <laughs> for the uninitiated. Welcome to the Cave Trolls Podcast. Like I said, my name is Terry Smith. With me today, we do not have Charday. She has decided to uh, ditch us and, I don't know, go fight crime on another planet, I'm assuming. That's usually when the superhero doesn't show up to the comic book. They're usually off-planet somewhere, so that's just what I'm assuming she's doing. Um, we do have Lissa, as always, the best host of the Slavely Trolls. Lissa, how you doing? Doing well, Terry. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Uh, you, you really sound like it. You really carried the lie there. And uh, we have a special guest today, David Talgetsky. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. I would say I'm the most special guest for multiple reasons. <laughs> I mean, mostly because we don't normally do guests on this show specifically because it's news related. I've been working on some things in the background. And, you know, it's like instead of getting another host who's done other podcasts and stuff before, I'm like, how about my old friend Dave? <laughs> like, let's just get the dude who works at a warehouse. He can talk about D&D stuff, right? I mean, I'm here to provide the most nuanced opinion that a cishet white man can <laughs> provide. <laughs> Which is very little, very minimal. Um, there's a reason why I host the news show. It's like it's the most objective one we can get because, like, we don't need we don't need my opinion on shit, right? Like, that's not what people want. They don't want that. Yeah, Terry, why don't you why don't you weigh in on women's issues right now? <laughs> Terry, a good half Terry. hour. Terry, I, I, as your lawyer, uh, you can, you can uh, refrain from answering this question. <laughs> but I was told if I plead the fifth, that means I'm guilty. So, uh, like, there's a reason why I've never been uh, invited to do uh, a Slavenly Trolls podcast, right? Like, <laughs> it, it's, I, I feel like it's, it is. You are a cis white straight man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And listen, it does not hurt my feelings that I have not been invited. Uh, I will say I would do my best to keep it a safe space, but I think my mere existence lowers how safe it is just by who I am in general. Um, not a bad person, just a person nonetheless. You know, it's like men are the problem even when we're trying not to be. Uh, so again, like I said, this is therapy talk. Let's break it down. 
<laughs> if you don't know, the Cave Trolls podcast is your only source for D&D and TTRPG news. If you get it somewhere else, it's a lie. Fake news. doesn't count. doesn't count unless you heard it here. And that's why we go super in-depth and cover everything possible. And by everything possible, I mean the stuff I could put on the run of show before we had to record this because everyone's got shit to do. So uh, if you don't know, last week we were off, so you had some evergreen content. We were covering things like gm and dm advice and what we do at our own tables and how we run games so we didn't cover a lot of news uh last week so this is going to be kind of a catch-up for stuff that we've covered or missed in the last week as well as a few new things i found in the morning so without further ado let's jump into our new games and supplements corner which we are calling bits and bobs um this came from somebody on the internet lissa do you remember who recommended bits and bobs is the name uh, hold on hold on i know i know who it is you can um, do this i believe in you i believe in me too that's right hey. you don't need me to, to believe in you you don't need a man telling you that nah, you can believe in yourself <laughs> fuck i can't do anything uh, this right this was russ luzetsky russ russ luzetsky oh a patron yep Oh my goodness, Russ, thank you so much for your support and all of your kind comments. You're always very kind on Patreon. I want to say all of our patrons are very kind, but Russ is often one of the first commenters. So just in case you're a Patreon supporter and you're like, what the fuck? I'm not mean. I agree. (laughs) Russ is just usually the first one to be like, hey, good job. So after I cry, you know, and then I read Russ's comments, I cry again. And, uh keeps me going again therapy morning it's it's great this is what happens when i'm only two cups of coffee in instead of three uh so first up we have the one ring ruins of the lost realm it's a new expansion if you don't know the one ring is the lord of the rings ttrpg uh it's got its own bespoke dice if you roll a 12 on the d12 it's gandalf if you roll a one it's the eye of sauron it's really neat d6s for your skills it's a very strange system if you're coming from like D D specifically but it fits its own little world and if you like lord of the rings it's the game that you should play this is going off the second edition i've never played the first edition um and this new one has you exploring the ruins of the dunedain city um so the second age stuff that's where the the kings of men you know that's where aragorn's from and it has you kind of exploring that area lissa you're a big fan of lord of the rings does this do anything for you thank you you for asking (laughs) i'm very excited um i still i still want to play the one ring uh wink wink nudge nudge listen i think we've been talking about wanting to do some sort of live play game as well as us playing more games in general together as well as you know games that aren't D &D. i would love to play the one ring if you would want to run the one ring and if and if you are interested, I will back this Kickstarter, and when it comes out, we can play this one. Or I can send you a PDF copy of the One Ring if I haven't already in the past. I know I own it, so um, I would gladly purchase you a copy of the One Ring if you're interested. I will check if you've already sent this to me. <laughs> I buy a lot of stupid shit on this podcast. Dave, don't be surprised if by the end, if I find something cool um, and you get a gift in your in your email inbox, because that's often what happens while we're playing the show. Hey, I'm here for it. I love any and all free content you send me. <laughs> do you like Lord of the Rings? Uh, hell yes, I do, Terry. Are you excited about the One Ring Ruins of the Lost Realm? 
Well, I didn't hear about it until about uh, Chuck's notes five minutes ago. So <laughs> I would say I am excited for it. Well, I'll read right from Free League's uh, uh, website where they have the list of the Kickstarter stuff. So uh, Ruins of the Lost Realm. Long to explore the lone lands of Eriador. Ruins of the Lost Realm was the first expansion for the award-winning second edition of the One Ring RPG based on the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. In the Westlands of Eriador, between the Misty Mountains and the Mountains of Loon, the hobbits found both men and elves. Indeed, a remnant still dwelt there of the Dunedain, the kings of men that came over the sea out of the westerness. But they were dwindling fast, and the lands of their north kingdom were falling far and wide into waste. A region often described as deserted becomes a crucible for adventure. That was really fucking hard to read. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the Ruins of the Lost Realm. So um, I haven't played enough of the One Ring to go, hey, I need an expansion for this. But it's pretty cool. It's got three chapters. It's got uh, um, like a description of the general area uh lore master stuff so like your dm like content narrative elements little like hooks that you can get your adventure into if you're not starting here to kind of pull you through which every adventure like th that's published needs it needs those extra hooks so you can just continue your game if you already had one going on and then it's got sites of interest on a map as well as little like easter eggs if you like lord of the rings or the hobbit obviously um so like the historical sites is what they're calling it um i'm not seeing too much for the bestiary but i'm assuming assuming uh their looming threats is that part uh that's always one of the cooler things about lord of the rings the supplemental content is because you you read the books you watch the movies like okay they have a balrog they got some wargs you got goblins and orcs but you get to the more expanded content and you get a lot more of the creatures like trolls and stuff that you only see for a second in the movies or in the books but you get a lot more of it out of that supplemental content so lissa when are we going to run ruins of the lost realm uh very very soon <laughs> uh did you end up finding the one ring do you have it is it is it go time let's oh, just do that instead. okay <laughs> <laughs> let me let me check let me check so uh what what pulls you to because i know you're a little bit both in more into lord of the rings than i am what is it about lord of the rings setting that does it for you i mean there's a part of it for me that's a lot of nostalgia mm -hmm. because like it was like the, the like the one big like movie i saw as a kid was like oh fantasy is really cool i like this and like i had already seen star wars but like that's space fantasy in my brain it was different like there's something about the lord of the rings movies that just blew my mind as a kid yeah, like, there, there wasn't a lot of fantasy, at least in the 90s and 2000s when it came to movies. And, like, epic, like, you know, dragons, sword and sorcery, sword and board type fantasy. We had the Dungeons and Dragons movie, though. Like, you know, gotta love yeah. that thing. And uh, Jeremy Irons just chewing up the scenery. Uh, Thora Birch was in it. If anyone remembers her, you probably don't. It's okay. Uh, she was there. Uh, uh, one of the Waynes brothers was, was in there, too as a rogue so you know there's fun times to be had yeah, i had like i had borrowed the um like those big dvd box sets for the extended editions of lord of the rings from like an older friend in high school and i had just watched those and then i found all the bonus features and i kept watching and i just i basically watched those on loop and then i found that in the box sets they had those maps on them for the world and i just i don't know something about it like really just tickled the part of my brain that's like i need to learn more about this so what we do, Lissa, is we have Dave run our one ring game so we can just play it. I mean, possibly. Yes. 
Uh, I mean, I do. I, I do have a copy of it. I did just look. Uh, I don't know a ton of like the deep, deep lore. Well, neither but do like, we. So you can just make it up. Neither do we. <laughs> you could just lie to us. That's that's yeah. half a DMing anyway, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> just lie convincingly and will not along go oh okay cool uh <laughs> as i've learned from critical role or uh d20 speaking of critical role the next up on the bits and bobs are our all eyes are on lucian the next critical role novel um this comes from polygon i got a little article here about the next novel coming from critical role uh this comes from let's see the name madison durham over at polygon for critical role 2022 has been about breaking the timeline exandria matthew mercer's campaign set uh setting has gained new life this year exandria unlimited calamity which kicked off in may tells a story about the end of the world thousands of years before vox machina ever wandered Taldoray. Campaign 3, on the other hand, is where past and present characters have begun to collide. Now the past is getting even more room to breathe thanks to a brand new novel about a rather surprising character. Um, Critical Role, The Mighty Nine, The Nine Eyes of Lucian, explores the life of Lucian, one of Critical Role's most memorable antagonists. Uh, Dave, I think you're the only critter here because Char's not uh, on this week. Uh, Do you care about this? Do you know about The Mighty Nine? Do you know about Lucian? Are you excited about any of these novels? Where are you at in your critical role journey? So Lucian is a big bad from Critical Role Campaign 2, which is the only campaign I've watched from beginning to end. Okay. And I haven't really explored any of their extra content past their campaigns, but like I'm, I'm interested in this a lot because Lucian is, without spoilers, just really fucking cool <laughs> it's hard when you're like oh, i'm not gonna spoil anything okay can you describe it i don't know awesome like <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean it's so there's very much like an eldritch horror aspect to it okay. and also like it just lucian checks a lot of villain boxes for me okay like very uh very outspoken i'm guessing very uh very boisterous when it comes to uh their acting very strong personality and it's it's just how it ties back to characters from the beginning of the campaign it's it just the way everything connects when matt brings in lucian is just perfect i was i was talking to a couple other people about it last week and they compared lucian to like uh um a far cry villain like just like you would want to follow lucian on their own journey um if you could which is funny because that i didn't know the novel was coming out uh so is this something that you're gonna pick up being a fan specifically of that campaign i think i will um i've also really wanted to check out a novel from campaign one called kith and kin which is tied to characters obviously from campaign one okay but it's one of my favorite um characters that i've seen so far i've barely dabbled in the campaign one i'm like maybe 20 episodes in which sounds like a lot and it is but and it's like 80 hours right yeah (laughs) yeah they're not they're not small things uh lissa i know that you've you've dabbled a little bit here and there in critical role uh peer pressured by charday uh are you interested in this are you still thinking about jumping into critical role Mm. As a podcast, I'm not a big fan of actual play podcasts. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, no, I'm not going to jump back into Critical Role. Like, she, 
Charday tried to make me watch. I did watch like two episodes or something. I was not interested. It's that's um, eight hours. That's eight hours of your time. That's a whole work day. I know. Yeah. But you say that Lucian is a boisterous villain, and looking at the cover, he's very hot. Um, <laughs> you have me intrigued. <laughs> I like a good villain, and even more so, I like a good hot villain. Um, <laughs> so that intrigues me. Maybe for the book, but I probably not for the actual play. Otherwise, mm, well, I mean, I say that, but then if I like the villain, would I only watch the bits with Lucian in it? Maybe. Right, right. And that's in campaign two, you said, right, Dave? So. Yeah, uh, you could just jump to that. It's all in the same setting, right? Mm -hmm. mm. Okay, yep. so so you don't you don't have to go through. Uh, in my experience, because I tried diving in a couple different times at Critical Role, I've I've watched it from the beginning a few times, and then I've dived into a few like like, like the like a little bit of campaign two, a little bit of campaign three, and it's hard because I think a lot of the fun is that development. So you watch it from the beginning to the end, and even if it's a new campaign, new characters, you have the interplay between the players, and then the little bits and bobs of like the world. So like little Easter eggs, kind of like you're reading a comic book is really fun. And I miss out on a lot of that because I haven't watched it from the beginning. So I'm probably going to stick with Vox Machina. And if they do a cartoon of season two and it's really cool, then I'll read the Lucian novel. Yeah, like it is like loosely connected because um, campaigns one, two, and three basically all take place on different continents, but they're all in the same world. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all there are still loose strings connecting them. The connections, I think, get stronger in Campaign 3. I haven't really caught up on that one yet, but I have heard rumblings on the internet of things connecting back and forth. That's what this article just said, so uh, that's part of the rumblings, I'd say. <laughs> um, I, the one thing I'm interested to know about this novel is, is Matthew Mercer writing it? It doesn't look like it. This comes from a different yeah. author. Let's Let's find the author so I can list that here. Um, uh, Madeline Rue. So that comes from Madeline Rue. Uh, check it out if you're interested in the Mighty Nine or uh, just Lucian in general, since he is a hot villain, <laughs> as Lisa described him. I see horns and a crown, so that's pretty cool. In a very I mean, deep V. I mean, I can uh, I can corroborate uh, Lisa's <laughs> opinion on that. I, well, I am I see a straight white too. male, but he is hot. Listen, we already said like, it's a spectrum, right? Like it, it, it doesn't mean what you think it means. Moving on, though, past the hot, uh, hot villain, Monty Python on the Holy Grail RPG is making tons of money. This comes from Christian Hoffer over at ComicBook.com. An officially licensed Monty Python and the Holy Grail tabletop RPG has raised over $700,000 in less than a day. Exalted Funeral uh, launched the Kickstarter for Monty Python's uh, co-curricular medieval reenactment program. Um, and an officially licensed tabletop RPG inspired by the various works of Monty Python. 
Over 5,500 people have backed Kickstarter on the first day, leading the campaign to uh, raising $725,000 in less than a day. I am one of those backers, just FYI for full disclosure. Um, We had talked about this a while back that they had announced it, Um, so I had been watching it pretty closely. Players can receive a PDF copy for only $25 or uh, pledge uh, $65 and get a physical copy. I did not do that Uh, because (laughs) there are too many Kickstarters I want to play but that $25 copy is pretty cool um I don't know if I'm gonna keep it I'm gonna be honest I'm not sure uh I had agreed to pledge like like right when it launched and then I was like I don't know I I might pull out just because I'm looking at 2023 uh which was probably when we're gonna get this pdf um it's gonna be open until November 18th and there's like 40 other Kickstarter campaigns that I'm interested in between now and November 18th so we'll see if Monty Python stays up there I was really excited for it just because it's Monty Python and I love Monty Python I don't know enough about the actual game system what's what it's gonna be um, is the reason why I wanted to throw out that caveat where maybe I might pull my back in there I've made in total. One million three hundred and five thousand and sixty-six, and that's another thing, right? Like they don't need my money. <laughs> <laughs> They've done it. Like I'm, I'm excited for this game, but that's that's um wow, that's a lot. That's so crazy. <laughs> that's so crazy. Which is kind of to be expected. It makes sense. Like it's kind of like back in the day. I've been reading Slaying the Dragon. I know, Lissa, you you have as well. Um, Ben Riggs. Uh, history book on like the history of D D. And one of the things that they tried doing back in the I think it was the nineties, it might have been the eighties, I can't remember exactly when, was they were trying to get the license to make Lord of the Rings games and it fell through because they couldn't also make books. And they're like, ah, it's not worth our time. And that's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, every single D and D fan, especially from back then, loved Lord of the Rings. That's half the reason why you're playing Match Made in Heaven. Monty Python is a similar thing, especially Holy Grail, obviously. But the Venn diagram of D and D players who also love the Holy Grail, I feel like <laughs> there's a very slim sliver of people that that only like one or the other. You know? Listen, I'm I am the person who bought the um, DVD. Like, I think it was like a limited edition DVD of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It comes with your own catapult and cow. <laughs> it comes with your own fucking mini catapult and a cow. Oh, I love That's it so much. That's how obsessed I am with this. I got it for Christmas. It, 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 10 out of 10, the best gift I've gotten. <laughs> I got the special edition Blu-ray that came out a few years ago with like the steel book and stuff. Um, just to, like to have it, but like now it's also on like every streaming platform, I think. So you can watch Holy Grail pretty easily if you wanted to. But it's just it's awesome that the game did that well. It's always cool to see a Kickstarter for a company that might not be as big as something like uh, you know, Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast doing this well in the TTRPG scape. Like I said, normally I back Kickstarters because I want this project to come to fruition. It's already going to, so I might pull my backing to maybe support a game that isn't going to make it over the finish line uh like 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 last month uh we were talking about fey earth i was like okay that's one like maybe we should get more eyes on i think plenty of eyes are on monty python the holy grail um i am interested to see what the elements of the game actually are um when it comes to playing it like how they throw in the improv of it all how much of it is comedic how much of it is an actual just game in that world it'd be interesting to check out 
Um, yeah, but that's that's kind of what I was thinking. I did notice here on uh, like halfway down in the article, it mentions they have non-standard dice sizes like <laughs> D14s, D16s, and D18s. This is the second game I've seen this week that does that. I've been playing DCC, which is like an old school like D and D. It's like it's like like a dumbed down version of three point five. And a lot of the home homebrewed games in there, it's like, yeah, we're going to roll a D13 uh, for this. And I'm like, well, why? Why are you doing this to me? I don't have a D13. I don't want to pull up a computer thing. Like, why? Why is this happening? Uh, I don't even know how you would do that without a computer. Um, uh, there's a lot of, like, moving up and down for the system as well as in DCC. So it's like, oh, it's a D14, but you have a plus one, so it's actually a D12. Like, I don't know how exactly how it works. Um, very strange. Fitting for Monty Python, though. Like, we're going to roll a D100 for this roll, and you're going to roll a D15. Moving on, Paizo has 27 new Pathfinder and Starfinder products coming this month. Uh, this comes directly from Paizo. Uh, Dave, you are a big Pathfinder player. What does hearing that they have 27 new products coming this month do for you? It blows my mind because <laughs> I honestly have never seen them release that many products in one month. I believe they say it themselves uh, this October is going to be a record-setting month for their releases. Yeah, I'm also just very interested. I have always loved their, um, well, I say always, but ever since I started playing Pathfinder 2nd uh, Edition, I've always been super intrigued by their um, supplemental stuff, like the world they've built, just like, and it's not even just the world they've built because it's very similar to D&D, but just the way they lay it out in their books, it works for my brain and i really enjoy it they give me the source material they let me look at it i get to learn about the lore instead of with D, it always feels like i'm having to hunt down some esoteric knowledge that's been <laughs> hidden from years past and i that's like, the fun I just of it wanna, i just want to learn about like the world so i can make a D game but it's just so hard for me my favorite thing that happens at my table playing in fifth edition and forgotten realms specifically is the setting is Chardet will ask a question about, I don't know, like Waterdeep or something. And then I got to leave like Gandalf for three years and go into the, the, the archives and, and scroll through and go, oh, it is the ring, you know, and like come back. So <laughs> that part is pretty fun, but I will corroborate. I've, I've looked at the Pathfinder books, especially Tui. Um, their books are laid out really well. The first one up on this list is the Pathfinder Kingmaker suite. So it has, uh, 13 different products all from like first edition and second edition with a combination of like fifth edition rules in there as well and it's got all the things you need to do the full pathfinder kingmaker adventure path and that's come out bits and bobs over the few years um but this yeah. is the entire thing yeah, kingmaker was originally a first edition adventure path and then they also released it as a video game yep and now they're redoing it for second edition which is pretty interesting it's um from what i've heard one of my uh one of the members of the party i used to play with they actually did play through uh the first edition version of it and like it, it's called kingmaker for a reason it turns like like you have to go through the story and essentially become like the king or lord or whatever of this area and like rule over it i had played the opening adventure for the first edition kingmaker once before in an online uh league 
um, with an old friend of ours. And uh, it was interesting. It was my first experience with Pathfinder, but it was pretty cool. Um, the video game is really neat. Uh, Lissa, I recommend Kingmaker to you because I know you're a big Divinity Original Sin fan. And it's a very yeah. uh, similar play style. I'm waiting for it to go on sale. <laughs> I will purchase. And I need to check if it's Mac <clears throat> available for Mac because obviously I do not have a PC. It's available for Mac. Will it run on your Mac? I don't know. Because it's not like you have the newest Mac. Like, that's... Uh, um, the newest have... Mac, but also I, if it's an old game and it's not 64, then I can't... Oh, it's not an old game. I can't. No, okay. no, it, it's newer. Um, it's 64 bit. I, 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 you can play Kingmaker. I'm pretty sure, but I, I, I try not to promise anything because you got a weird ass computer. I feel like I'd find in my old computer lab in the nineties. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. I remember when we were trying to throw together like our stream, it's like, what games can we play? I'm like, well, let's start with Lissa's specs and we'll work our way up from that because that will definitely limit what we can get done. Um, <laughs> Uh, moving on, this list keeps going on and on. Um, tons of stuff for a Kingmaker, the, their companion guides, the bestiaries, everything you need um, to play Kingmaker if you're interested. Uh, adventure pathing, maps, uh, both like big like blow-up maps of the region and also like dungeon tile mapping. Um, then they have the Pathfinder uh, Lost Omens Legend Special Edition. It's the Heroes of the Lost Omens. Forge their path through an uncertain world. Uh, yet again, another one of their... Uh, what's the word for it? Like, adventure campaigns. So, Kingmaker is one. Then you have path, uh, Pathfinder Lost Omens. Then you have Crown of the Cobalt King. And I can keep going. Uh, Dave, have you played any of these? Um, well, the only adventure path I've played was Age of Ashes. And actually, Lost Omens, as far as I know, is not a adventure path. It oh, is okay. The it, it's the line of their like um their um uh like world building supplements oh thank you so this is why i need to have you on man i don't know shit about pathfinder <laughs> yeah so i've got a pile of books over here to my left um all the lost omen ones that i have they're all like just supplemental stuff that's all world building stuff Okay, so is the the Pathfinder Lost Omens Legends a new book, or is it like a compendium? Like, like does it compile? I'm not sure. It might be a new book. Um, I'm not seeing it here in the article. I'm skimming through real quick. Well, I will go to the Pat, uh, the Paizo website. The heroes of the age of Lost Omens forge their path through an uncertain world, but the world has been shaped by many others who came before or who now stand beside them. Lost Omens Legends provides details on 42 of the inner sea region's biggest personalities, from queens and kings that rule the present to distant figures from Galorian's past. Uncover details from the inner lives of movers and shakers from all around the globe, as well as the secret techniques, items, knowledge PCs might gain from encountering these larger-than-life figures. So this is a book specifically on NPCs. That's really neat. I I think I have this one because um... <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the Legends. This is like the hardcover special edition. Okay, yeah, I I have a uh, PDF version of it. I I believe. Of course you do. Which um... I bought fully <laughs> because it has a um it has a new edition for um w uh, the witch class. You could choose to have your magic come from the bloodline of Baba Yaga. Okay, okay. The Baba Yaga. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yes, I like. There's a fun thing. Like, it's one of my favorite things I learned about the Pathfinder world. 
small aside here, but like there's an adventure path from one E where Anastasia, like our world, Anastasia gets mm -hmm. like transported over to the Paizo world of Galarian, and like ba Baba Yaga is like this like plane, plane jumping like like ultimate like like she's not ultimate power, but like she has like a ridiculous amount of magic, and she just kind of like finds a kingdom and is like this is mine now and puts it in infinite winter <gasps> and then puts anastasia on the on the um on the throne and then fucks off for a long time and comes back like every hundred or so years and is like this is my new daughter and she's the queen now <laughs> i uh uh since char's not here and she's not gonna listen to our old episode i stole some of those bits and bobs from that a, a specific adventure uh, for my uh, Rhymes of the Frost Maiden game that I've been oh, running, yeah. um, and it combined very easily and very well. Just so you know, <laughs> in case nice. you want, if you want a little adventure hook, um, go read that adventure. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff in there that you can take and easily transport to Forgotten Realms and combine with Rhymes of the Frost Maiden. I made the Baba Yaga and uh, Oral Sisters. Nice. Yeah. Hot tip. Hot tip. <laughs> Hot DMGM tip for you. Um, there's lots of other stuff. I can't go into every single one in here. If you like Starfinder, there's also um, Dead Suns uh, Special Edition. Uh, they have uh, a couple of different adventure paths for it. They have more cards, like, like creature cards and summon cards for both games as well. Dave, have you messed around too much with Starfinder? I have not. I do have like the core rule book and I've looked at it a little bit, but it was before I was really exposed to Pathfinder. Mm -hmm, so I mm -hmm. like didn't really have a huge interest in it, but I've I've thought about going into it here and there. I really like Starfinder. It's like my one final vestige now that Pathfinder has moved to 2E. I like Starfinder for my 3.5 fix as well as DCC. Um like the like that old school like uh 3.5 type feel. Um because that's where Pathfinder had started and Starfinder jumped off Pathfinder. The problem is now is one of the cool things is you could move your Pathfinder stuff into Starfinder kind of. Um, yeah. But now Pathfinder moved on to 2E and Starfinder has not yet. Um, mm -hmm. And I, it doesn't seem like they're planning on doing that anytime soon. It's still compatible. You could still easily convert things back and forth. Um, it just takes a little bit more work because it's not the exact same system anymore. Um, so that's a little bit of a hurdle i'd be excited if they did a path or a starfinder 2e it's just such a niche product um well it's a niche of a niche already i don't see them doing it in the near future but i'd love if they prove me wrong yeah uh listen i know we've talked about it before it's a great way to run mass effect if you wanted to um, yeah i was just thinking you could probably do a mass effect game in it 100 percent. That, that makes me happy uh I, i've done it it's it's a good time if you like mass effect and me i'm not even a gigantic fan of mass effect and it was still a good time for me because starfinder is a really fun system um moving on a little bit more pathfinder news we have their next new setting high helm pathfinder's next big setting is new york city for dwarves um this comes from molly russell over at wargamer uh Pathfinder publisher Paizo sheds light on its upcoming setting source book, Lost Omens, High Helm, and the dwarven life found inside the mountain city. 
Uh, they've announced a crap ton of stuff coming out right now, but coming out in 2023, um, Pathfinder Lost Omens High Helm dives deep into one of the game's dwarven cities for the very first time. And speaking of first, Wargamer can exclusively reveal a mountain of upcoming content from the book. Paizo's official product description tells us plenty about the titular High Helm. I'm going to read directly from that. Delve the mountain deep. When the first dwarves reached the surface of Galarian, they built enormous keeps as a monument to their legacy and to serve as their new home. The mightiest of these keeps was Highhelm, a sky citadel deep in the Five Kings Mountains. While other sky citadels have fallen since the quest of sky, Highhelm's holds strong, serving as one of the major centers of dwarven culture. Uh, Dave, you explained what uh, the Lost Omens uh, books were. Are you going to pick up Highhelm? I haven't uh, picked up any Pathfinder books like in probably the last year simply because I'm just not playing a game in that world anymore. Okay. But um, it it does really interest me. Uh, like New York City, but with dwarves. Like, I'm into that. <laughs> I mean, it's but not how... quite that. It's not like Unsleeping City, right? Like, it's just like it's their big city of dwarves. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's exciting. Lissa, what about you? I, I love the idea of these Lost Omen books being specific little, like, lore dumps. Like, that's a really cool way to do it. Um, I wish yeah. 5e did more of that stuff. Um, but do you care about dwarves? I know this is an Elf Stand podcast, but uh, does a city uh, of dwarves do it for you? Excuse you. This is, an elf, this is not an Elf Stand podcast. We do not stand elves here because Shardy is not here. Because Shardy is not here today, is that why? We will not refute the statement. Therefore, this is hashtag fact. I mean, I can I can hold that torch. No, you cannot. <laughs> I'm here for elves. Is Lucian am... an elf, Dave? Uh, no, he's a tiefling. Oh, okay. I saw the pointy ears, so I wasn't sure. But yeah, he's got horns, I remember now. But I, I will say that I'm an elf stand simply because when I was a kid and watched Lord of the Rings, I pulled the tips of my ears back to try and make them pointy. Aw, that's cute, but gross. No, no, no here. <laughs> <laughs> delve you D delve dave you're you're pretty gaunt you have elf-like features i think you could pull it off without moving the ears back buddy just uh for the record um yeah. but yeah so lissa so we're gonna stand dwarves this week is that what i'm hearing i okay so when i played um dragon age uh origins shorty made me play it um <laughs> i chose to be a dwarf of course and i yeah, I think I have a thing for dwarves because I just started watching um, the Lord of the Rings TV show. They the... have great dwarves in that. Yeah, oh, the, the dwarves and oh are the my best god, part. when you see the dwarf city, I just I was so excited because I just watched that episode. Um, it's not mm -hmm. really a spoiler alert, but when because you finally see what the dwarf city looked like in its prime. <gasps> I just, I turned to my roommate and I was like, oh my god, look at that. And it's just <laughs> so much feel, so much excitement. It was beautiful. So I stand dwarves, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I think uh, Lost Omens High Helm might be something for you, uh, too. And that's something, I think a lot of people think, like, they pick up these books, you're like, oh, well, I can't play this because I play 5e. It takes very little finagling to make anything work from Pathfinder to 5e and vice versa to the point where now Paizo is putting out multiple of their books like Kingmaker with just 5th edition rules in it. Um, so I, I don't think that's as much of a hurdle as people think it is. Same thing with combining the setting. Uh, Dave, you mentioned it earlier. The Galarian is not so different 
from uh, the Forgotten Realms and uh, in Faerun, etc., that you couldn't go, well, this is just a city also here, you know? Like, if you had yeah. uh, east from Waterdeep, now you're in uh, High Helm now. Like, it's not impossible. You wouldn't be like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. You'd be fine. Yeah, I mean, d and just a multiverse anyway. It's like, oops, you fell through a portal this Wednesday, and <laughs> guess what? You're in Galarian for, for a week. I, I I specifically run mine very similar to how um they did I forget the name of the country in Dimension Twenties Fantasy High, um oh yeah 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 it's just so like I, I, there's so many different like plane travelers and stuff because all of the anachronisms that everyone uses I'm like well cell phones are just a way of life everybody has crystals just like they do in that show it's just easier that way so mm-hmm. you can have influencers and shit it it's still fun to do it super high fantasy but with the multiverse and multiplanar stuff it's just easier if you want people to be able to reference i don't know cobra kai or something (laughs) (laughs) that happened last week at the table so uh that was my example but i'm excited um for high helm it'd be cool to see more dwarven cities like that um specifically because i was watching uh the new lord of the rings show so it was kind of inspiring i don't love the new lord of the rings show for for the record but what um, I, it's okay. Um, I like all the characters in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, and like all the acting in it is really cool. Uh, it's shot really, really well. It's gorgeous. I just don't really care about gorgeous. the overarching story of it right now. Hmm. Like a, a lot of the mystery elements they've thrown in, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> A lot, I all the complaints other people have had. I think you're all fucking idiots. But like, it's, all, there's obviously there's a shit ton of racism and sexism about it. None of that stuff is, is bothers me at all. Um, and it's a gorgeous to look at show. Like you can tell where the fucking money went. And just the story they're telling. I'm like, I'm not super duper compelled. Um, I think I have like five episodes to catch up on, and I I don't know when I'm going to do that. I I Game of Thrones came out, and I just started watching that instead. I heard about all that racism with like the black elves and shit, and I'm just like, boy, I'd hate for you guys to play Pathfinder. I, yeah, if you uh, thought that was bad, black... like when there yeah. was when there was a black and female dwarf. Oh my god, I the internet fucking just like broke down. They're like, that's impossible, and I'm like, you also like they got magic, like that's like that's not a problem for you, like <laughs> that's not real. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what the elves is? can go to heaven using boats. Like, what's your problem? They just sail there. The door opens up. <laughs> they knock on the heaven's door. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> and your problem is like, no, your problem is that you're racist. That's your problem. Okay. Uh. Uh. People are so dumb. Um, so yeah, I don't love the show, but not for those reasons. Um, I think I'll go back to it. I'm also just like, I'm not a gigantic Lord of the Rings fan anyways. My wife is. That's partly why I started watching it. And even she was a little bit bored, um, which I thought was fascinating. Because like, the movies specifically are her like favorite thing on this planet. So I really expected her to dive full on into it and she wasn't super duper impressed but i'm gonna give it a second shot and rewatch the entire series in its totality now um yeah i've i've seen the the full season and it's largely fine like it's not like horrendous in any direction like mm-hmm. my favorite part obviously was the dwarves and the elves um but i, I love the ladriel's little like a like fight scene in the first episode that was probably one of my highlights yeah yeah that was also, pretty cool Fuck everyone who's saying Galadriel wouldn't wield a sword. It's like she was a point, super duper awesome warrior. That was like the thing like, that they say. Yeah, at, at this point, like she's an elven like teenager, basically. Like that's what the elves you're, did. You're, you're gonna go do crazy shit in your teen years. Like I of think course also, she's gonna be a warrior. Also, like what what my roommate was asking me about was like why is she like this? I'm like 
she has a darkness within her that's really like shown in the movies that she's not all this like do goody two shoes character that she has this like darker side to her where you know like that that is clearly shown in the movies like wait why do you why are you questioning this why are you surprised by that like gandalf says that she's one of the strongest warriors he's ever seen and also she admits herself she's like no no no. i'd do some dark shit if i got a stronger ring by the way i already have one people forget about that too like come on not to mention her her ring like the elf rings in in particular i believe i could be incredibly wrong on this but from what i've uh, like found is that the elven rings are largely untouched from sauron's corruption yes like that darkness all that's from her like that's why she's saying like i can't i can't get the one ring because it'd be real bad i'd rule everything i'd be god and then i'd kill the other god like don't people who are like i was not galadriel but you didn't watch the shit it's just like people who complain about she hulk they're like that you just you're ruining her i'm like you never read the fucking comic because this is the most accurate comic book show i've ever seen so like, like people are dumb they're racist they're misogynistic that's what it is like you're sexist admit it it's okay just like lean into it i'm sure there's plenty of dudes on the internet that hang out with andrew tate and you know that would gladly welcome you there so just go do that like lord of the rings isn't for you that's just not what it is sorry goodbye uh <laughs> i don't know why they get so bad they're like oh it's not for me anymore it never was like that's that's what fan- fantasy is for the people that like other people that's just what it is um sorry uh for for my high horse there that comes later on um <laughs> so next up is our our next segment this is new we call this bardic inspiration this is where we talk about the entertainment news for dungeons and dragons and i'm super duper excited for this next announcement how this comes from hollywood reporter um let's see who wrote this article uh etten blessing uh dungeons and dragons documentary in the works at hasbro it's an in-house documentary which is always a little touchy because they're not really going to talk about anything that's you know negative probably it's kind of like how michael jordan published his own you know documentary for hbo it was a great fucking documentary not going to say a lot of bad things about michael jordan though you know what i mean yeah here's our here's our movie length commercial about ourselves (laughs) right right exactly the cool thing though is like even if you look at the top level and you don't get into the nitty-gritty it's still interesting to see a documentary i love documentaries it'll be interesting for other people to learn some of the stuff that we already know about the history of dnd which would be really cool dave i don't know how much you know about the the history of dnd is this something you're interested in uh yeah i'm interested in it i've uh listened to a few episodes of the slovenly trolls <laughs> and... listen we have a fan i didn't tell you i'm sorry fan? what yeah you don't believe there's fans every time we get a new patreon follower like and every time a new patron comes out they're like freak out they go they, they text me and they're like where did this person come from I'm like i don't know the fucking internet like twenty thousand people listen to our podcast and you're like oh we should find out where they came from did they hear from a friend of a friend and i'm like no <laughs> you have fans yeah listen i think you should listen to the podcast that'd be really up your alley <laughs> The problem is I don't like I don't like listening to the sound of my own voice except when I'm talking. Um, I don't like listening to recordings of myself, so it it, it it's a bad time for me to listen to the podcast because <laughs> I only just concentrate on the bad things that happen. So like, oh my god, why did I say that? Why did I word it like that? And I am the most biggest self critic there is. So no, it, it's 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 not a fun time for me to listen to our podcast. <laughs> But, uh, Even though Chardonnay makes me do it every single episode, but before we uh, put it out there, but you know, 
I think the big dig we have on Dave right now is he's not a patron. So what the fuck, Dave? Yeah, Dave. I'm just out here trying to pay bills. Listen, we have a $1 I mean, tier for the people that just want to support us, okay? Like, they just want to help out. You know, keep the lights on. The mic's going, as they say. And if you want to be one of those Patreon people, you can head over to patreon.com slash creations. Drop a buck or do. You can join us over there. Go ahead. Do it. It's great. We've got extra content, bonus content. Dave's not there, so you know it's a safe <laughs> space. I no, might uh... be there soon. Peer <laughs> <laughs> pressure. <laughs> oh man but i'm excited for this because uh joe Ma- uh, manganello is producing it which is really cool uh which you know if you don't know very very cool hollywood guy who loves D plays D is helping script one of like 50 different products they're going on like they're making a bunch of different uh tabletop rpg stuff um i'm gonna read directly from the hollywood reporter article now so we can catch up on this a little bit um the documentary the documentary to coincide with the game's 50th anniversary in 2024 will draw on the game's wizards and elves in archived dungeons and dragons footage dating back to the game's creation in the early 1970s uh dungeons and dragons writer joe manginello will co-direct he's not producing he's co-directing the project with kyle newman while his brother, Nick Manginello, along with Anthony Savini and Cecily Tyler, Hasbro president of Wizards of the Coast and Digital Gaming, will produce. Um, so that's really exciting. They got people that give a shit about the game making it, which is always what I want to see. That was what I was super excited about for that the big you know budget fiction movie that's coming out soon with Chris Pine in it. Uh, the people directing it and writing it fucking play D&D and love it. Which yeah. has been the problem with a lot of the stuff in the past. They're like, yeah. nah, we don't need any of those D&D people. We got Hollywood people. I'm like, there's no yeah. Venn diagram there? What the fuck? Yeah, it's it's good because then it becomes a passion and project passion project instead of just you know oh we're making this for money um i don't know we'll put in a dragon maybe like <laughs> a guy who does magic and they'll go on some quest you know save a damsel in distress that sounds good yeah we'll go with that and the problem is is like if you throw all those things in there you can make a pretty easily good movie and they just never do right like you said all that stuff i'm like that's not a terrible D game right like you can subvert some of those tropes but like honestly you throw those things in there and it's got some funny dialogue and a cool action scene. That's not a yeah, terrible D and D game. It's, it's not terrible. The thing is, it's not terrible. Like it's it's mediocre. But like to make it like a good D and D project, right. like it requires that passion, which is why passion projects where you like I, you don't have to put your heart and soul into it. But like if you really love what you're doing, you know, you put in the work, you put it, you have fun with it, you make it fun, and therefore the audience enjoys it more. Yeah, and I and I think having these people that love D and D working on a thing that's allowed to be D and D is why we're finding so much more success in D and D stuff recently. Like reading reading the history of TSR in the second half of Ben Riggs' books, which I will recommend. I have some issues with it, but I do recommend it. And we're gonna do our D and D book club over on our Patreon soon, um, bitches and books. And uh, if you want to check that out, we're gonna be talking about that book at the end of November. Um, but in the second half of that book, I read some stuff I didn't know about their history of like trying to expand um into hollywood and stuff like that and one of the things that ben covers specifically is all the times they tried doing new things for D, but weren't allowed to call it D because of licensing <laughs> like how many times they're like this is uh it's dungeons and dragons kind of like cough over here on the side and i'm like no lean into it this is dungeons and dragons because 
Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop RPG game. It's got tons of different settings like Forgotten Realms. It's got tons of other products like the board games and the video games now. The heart of Dungeons and Dragons is what you make of it. You don't have to be shoehorned into this corner where people roll dice. Like you said, there's a dragon and a damsel in distress. It can be so many different things. It's just a great platform because people know the name Dungeons and Dragons. You can just make a cool fantasy movie with like a party of people. And that is just as easily someone's D&D experience as any other fantasy movie. So, I mean, you know, like, why not? It's not a good D&D movie unless you've got 20 minutes of them calculating Thacko. <laughs> <laughs> you say that that was my big hurdle into getting into uh live play podcasts like critical role when i i watched critical role when it was first premiering like back on twitch back on like, geek and sundry days you know and it was hard for me because what i want out of a story of D is not the people rolling dice i like when i'm rolling dice i like when i'm at a table and me and my friends are rolling dice together but watching somebody else roll dice isn't always the most fun to me i've come to love it especially with dimension 20 i i really really enjoy the way that they do it and now nad pod and a bunch of other shows too um adventure zone but trying to capture that i feel like you can make a few jokes and show somebody rolling a nat one or a nat 20 in the movie type thing but i i think sometimes people get caught up in D has to be x and i've just never agreed with anything having to be x like it can be inspired by D and D is just—it is fantasy to me, you know. Yeah, the the whole engine behind the D and D vehicle is imagination. So like, it can literally be whatever you want it to be. Right, and yeah. hopefully, what we want this to be is good, and it ends up being that way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm excited. I love that the people behind it, Joe Manganiello. I I will link the tweets in the description below. He tweeted out like a bunch of stuff. He's like, "Listen, like we're putting in work on this. I'm excited about it. I'm working on this. Like, please be excited." Um. Lissa, are you excited about the documentary? Yes, I am. I mean, it's, got, it's got it's got people who love D and D, and I'm hoping it becomes a passion project. And I hope it, I'm hoping it they do what they find fun mm-hmm. and add like parts of D and D that are inherently D and D. One hundred percent, and that's when they seem yeah. like they have like archival footage. I'd be excited to see what they have from old yeah, TSR. And also that, yeah. You know? because there's so much that we've heard like you know fifth hand kind of thing and a lot of it is negative i'll 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 be honest like because there is so much bigotry and misogyny just like built into D D as a whole like you can you can disagree on on that stuff but you're wrong you know like that's in there inherently and because of that all of the stuff i see of it is negative and there are positives that's something that i would say is good about ben riggs books is i got to see things that were cooler and positive lights from the background that often get outweighed because you get things like biological determinism um the negative i see is that like people don't talk about that enough though now so i worry like you said this is going to be a commercial about why old tsr was so great and i i do have problems with that uh (laughs) like a documentary is supposed to bring different sides as well Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't know how much we're gonna see that here right um 
and not just cover oh this is tsr was amazing <laughs> TSR, this is the reasons why all hail gygax right that's the thing that like you know there there's there's something awesome and fun reading something by somebody who stands something else you know that that's something that i did like about ben riggs books um is like oh you can tell he loves the game he loves the people that made the game and it's fun to see that reverence come out in the book however some of the people that he reveres are problematic individuals um and that's it's hard to separate that in the history of D. &D. but yeah. uh joe manganello is a good storyteller he loves D. &D. i'm excited to see this even if they don't get into all the negatives necessarily i think it'll still be uh, a fun fun watch um and also we don't know the the whole like role of it like are they gonna go just through the history or we're gonna get into a lot of the fan base of it um it'll be interesting to see either way though um yeah, really yeah, uh, that's about all I have for Bardic Inspiration this week. We'll probably have more in that section next week. It's new. Next up is our new segment, The Village Crier. I'm open to a suggestion for this name. I threw this out, out there this week as our new segment. I'm okay if you have a better name. Please hit us up on Twitter. Listen, what's that Twitter? At Cave Charles Pod. Cave Charles Pod. Um, uh, uh, finally, though, in Village Crier, we have dicebreaker announcing their own awards uh this comes from matt jarvis over at, at dicebreaker announcing the tabletop awards a new celebration of the year's best board games rpgs and the people who make them uh, have your say by voting for our first people's choice award um this is like i said this is coming from dicebreaker this is their tabletop awards and the reason why i'm excited about that is because i've lost a lot of faith in gen con this year um the ennies is still a really progressive and really cool award show um but some of the things that won awards i think i was personally slighted by because they had some problematic stuff on there and i said well you can trust the ennies they do their research and they kind of didn't um, I'm talking specifically about the Cobalt Press game. I thought that was a little bit fucked up. <laughs> um, and I just felt guilty. Like, I, I I, was like, yeah, you can trust them. This game won an award. It's probably awesome. And then it had some really shitty stuff in there about uh, tourism in places that really shouldn't be boiled well, the down. Well, the game itself didn't have it. It was in one of their older content, mm -hmm. which yeah. were essays. But that essay was combined into their new book that they had just put out. So uh, yeah. that that was the thing. It was an older essay, and I wouldn't have had the same issue, except for they republished yeah. it, which meant new eyes were on it. And then it was backed yeah. by this, you know, this new award show. Um, and it's not new. The Andes aren't new. But they're normally lauded as, like, trustworthy. And I just had an issue. I'm like, all these eyes were on it and we still had this problematic uh you know content so i'm excited about another award show i'm not giving up on the ennies it's not like i'm gonna boycott next year or anything like that but i'm excited to yeah. see maybe another group of people giving it a better shot mm -hmm. um plus you know more awards for you know for these games get more eyes on it people like award shows um it gives recognition to a lot of these games and these people that it maybe it's for a niche audience but they deserve praise for all these products that they get put out so i'm excited for another one or plus i like dicebreaker support tabletop uh, <laughs> designers and people making you know all these indie games and i think people need more recognition in the tabletop role-playing game industry right maybe four or five of us that back money python take that <laughs> to another game they made a million dollars they're gonna be okay <laughs> uh maybe go back go back fey earth right like throw out that one again um but i'm excited i like dicebreaker like i've said uh so i'm excited for it plus it's a people choice award like you know people vote on these 
that's always exciting too um moving on to our final segment of the day this is the eye of the beholder this is where we argue this is our op-ed piece this is where we say an opinion this is a subjective um type article (laughs) you know um this came from i believe Lisa. you shared this to me from twitter um at and the meltdowns had a quote on here um arguing with people online about why people like critical role um did you send this to me or was this Chardet? I can't remember if it was. I know it was a week ago. I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I think, I think it was Chardet. Okay, but um, it's still it's still a good conversation. Yeah. So um, the inciting uh, tweet came from at Cantrip Candles. Um, they said, "I think one of the biggest reasons why CR found so much success is their camaraderie before the cameras ever came on. Having a foundation of familiarity will go so far for your stream. Y'all keep squeezing a bunch of strangers into a Zoom call and think it'll be smooth sailing." Um, now, uh, this other Twitter follower had this to say about that. This comes from and, uh, at and the meltdowns, your podcast or AP isn't finding a huge audience because you and your friends aren't good enough. Friends, um, is absolutely the wildest take I've seen on this internet in a while. And I agree with, uh, at and the meltdowns, uh, that, that is not the sole reason why I think critical role found success and why your actual play podcast doesn't find success is you're not good enough friends with your friends. Um, I think it's why some people stick around and why people like critical role. The camaraderie is definitely good. I think a lot of their success was being on one of the biggest (laughs) geek and nerd forums possible at the time being the first live action, uh, or, you know, uh rp games to be played like you had some things like nerd poker uh, from brian prosane as a podcast before them and a few other shows like that but they were the first big front and center they were on twitch which nobody else was doing they have some of the best voice a- voice actors period on it acting out things um so i think that's why they found some success i don't think it's necessarily because they were friends i listen to a lot of live action plays or uh live plays i mean that are friends and that is not why <laughs> like they, they found success instead of someone else in my opinion i'd love to hear from yeah. you Lisa. what do you think so my original reaction was i don't think it's the fact that they're friends like i think that's that's not what pinpointing the thing that makes them a success is that's not what just the fact that they're friends is probably or even the fact that they're good friends like i mean it probably helps yes but i think the more bigger thing there is that they have chemistry they have good chemistry together and they work together and like chemistry doesn't improve if you are better friends that's the thing (laughs) chemistry doesn't improve or like get worse i mean maybe chemistry gets worse if you're not good <laughs> right right i suppose yeah there is diminishing but, but. <laughs> but like like either you have like really good chemistry or you know like you have uh, I, I would say mediocre chemistry but like you have like but yeah some people will just you know jive together and that's fine and even if you put like a bunch of strangers onto like an ap you might have really good chemistry and you might have like and these could be absolute strangers and if they are comfortable with you know playing their characters and if they're comfortable with the environment then you know you could have amazing chemistry with these people who have no idea or who have never you know talked to each other before but that, like, and I, that's not I, a measure of success either too like that's like exactly that might be why the show's fun to watch but the the critique there is people saying like 
throwing strangers on a Zoom call isn't going to work. Like you said, that totally can work. I've seen it work before. Uh, it could like, work, yeah. And that's not why Critical Role worked. That might be why it's a fun show, but that's not why they found success. And that's not why your podcast isn't finding success. That's yeah. I, I think that shows a little bit of an ignorance and misunderstanding of how things find success. It's kind of like when people are surprised that you see these weird networks like podcasts popping up. Like uh, recently, one of my friends was asking me why why Kind of Funny was a big deal. And Kind of Funny is one of my favorite podcast networks. And they're like, it's just, a, it's just four guys talking and they grew from there. It's like, no, there were a bunch of writers and producers from IGN with some, with some of the biggest followings you could have. And then they started their own thing. It's definitely harder, but it's not as hard as if we started a podcast and like, and trying to find an audience, you have a built-in audience. It's kind of like the McElroy brothers, right? Like my brother, my brother and me definitely had was humble beginnings but they didn't start from nowhere they basically founded polygon and then moved over there and took that audience with them critical role had some very talented voice actors which with already having like fans following and were on geek and sundry and and twitch and doing things before other people were doing it it's not fair to say oh because they were close friends now critical role is this empire you know what i mean like, I just, yeah. I, I have problems with that statement because it makes it sound like, oh, like, you, listen, you'll never be as good of friends with these people, so your podcast is going to fail. Like, that's just not true. Um... Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were all voice actors in their own right and had careers and probably yeah. had fans of their own, exactly. like their own fan bases who would then love to get more content from, you know, people that they look up to. And then when you get all of those fans from all these different fan bases together, you already have this like magnificent big fan base, which if you're making good content, you're just going to attract more. Exactly. Dave, and because like, of the good oh, production sorry. value. And if they had like, you know, money, then. <laughs> and that's why they grew, right? And like that's. for success. Yeah. And Dave, I'd love to hear from you. Like you're, you're a big fan of Critical Role. Like what's your take on this? Yeah, I'm honestly like right there with you guys. Like I was literally going to say exactly what Lissa said with the chemistry of it because they like you guys have said I'm just like belaboring the point at, the, at this point, but like it's okay. Trained, <laughs> Belabor they're, they're away. Actors. <laughs> they're they're actors, they know what they're doing, they know how to yes and like they've had careers before they started D&D and when they realized that D&D was just oh, we're acting at the table together having fun then yeah it's gonna you're gonna have chemistry and that's gonna contribute to the success but it's not the only reason for the success exactly and like it's it it, it just it makes me feel bad that this, that tweet had gained some traction because there's a big argument going around like yeah exactly like your podcast sucks because you're not close friends now like that's the argument here um that's kind of why i wanted to bring that up but i'm glad like we're like usually with these like eye of the beholder segment there's someone here to argue with us like me and lissa often disagree on little things like that but this one's hard like i don't think you're gonna hear us talk about 45 minutes on it because kind of an agreeance here that that's kind of a disingenuous argument um in like like listen like you said like they had fans before i had found a lot of geek and sundry stuff through bat in the sun because they had those uh those i think it was called superpowered beatdown was that what it was called dave i think so and uh, Marisha was on there as a host. Um, and that's kind of how I had found some of the Critical Role content when it was first premiering. Because uh, I was a fan of hers and it brought me over. And then I was like, oh, all these voice actors I know from different random projects. And I like Geek and Sundry. And um, I forget the name of the founder. What What's her name? Felicia Day. Felicia Day, thank you. Um, and like, that's how. It, 
I stuck around because I like D and D, and then eventually I didn't stick around because I didn't like watching people play D and D at the time, specifically watching people for four hours. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to see. Finally, we found one of these Lissa that we're all in agreement on. Um, maybe if Charday was here though, we we would paint her into a corner and uh, uh, she would disagree with us. No, I think she's on the same page. I know. I just wanted to be able to throw out Venus into a corner while she wasn't yeah. here. <laughs> uh don't worry dave it's an inside joke you'd know if you you know paid us on patreon and listen to the show god damn it but that's okay um but well now i have a reason to listen and find out <laughs> exactly exactly and you too can go and listen to find out if you head on over to patreon.com slash can't be kill creations drop a buck or two um it always helps keeps the lights on keeps the mics rolling and you can uh there, we have several different tiers with bonus content and early content. You can get this show early every week, most weeks. Um, you can get bonus content from the Slovenly Trolls, um, like Sharday's uh, lore rewrites. I do the artwork on it. Uh, Lissa does all of the formatting for it. And Sharday uh, makes uh, problematic content less problematic with her own cool ideas. This month we did Monsters. Uh I believe Banshees are coming out in the next few days. Uh, that was what we did last time. I don't know what next month is going to be. Did she decide yet, Lisa? I think we're still working on the previous months to get that out. So okay, we will decide soon. I got to I gotta know soon so I can start drawing it. I'm so bad at drawing. It takes me so long. <laughs> like I need to know a month ahead of time so it doesn't look awful. Um, so that's usually why I'm asking. It's not so much that we need to get like a, a teaser out. I'm like, no, I need to start working on it. It takes me forever. Um, but those are really cool. I think that comes out at our $5 tier and then our $3 tier. Is that correct, Lissa? Uh, five and above. Five and above. Okay. And then like we were going to um, compile but we, it. But yeah, we compile them into bundles that we then release after... A little bit of time to the three dollar tier yeah and i think uh, we're still working on that yeah i think so and i think we're gonna sell them on drive through rpg as well soon so if you don't want to back us on patreon because you hate us you can give us money over there um we also have our merch store you can head on over to tpublic.com slash user slash can't be killed creations and you know you can buy t-shirts and mugs and onesies i found out recently you can buy baby onesies and shit oh um yeah you, you get the slovenly trolls logo on a bag you can get the k trolls logo on a mug they got lots of cool stuff over there we just get a margin of that it's not a huge money maker in so don't feel like you have to to support us i think like if you buy like a $14 shirt. I think we get like $2, you know, and like it's small, but it's, you know, it still helps. It's cool. Just if you want yeah. merch, that's why we did it with T public and not somewhere else with like a larger margin for us. It's like, well, ah, we just wanted to get content out there. Plus we really wanted shirts. So like, it was like, this is the fastest way to get that done. And they were pretty cool working with us. Um, and then finally you can head over to campykillcreations.com and we have all of our past content over there. You know, you can, links to the store you got all of our former podcasts i was doing over there we have comic books if you want to support me over there lots of cool stuff uh lissa where can the people find you on the internet they can find me at slovenly trolls on instagram and they can find me at cave trolls pod on twitter that's right cave trolls official twitter at cave trolls pod if you want to get a hold of us you can do so over there or you can email us at 
campykillcreations at gmail.com. Uh, we'll also respond over there. We don't have a separate email for the cave trolls yet. We should probably do that soon. Um, <laughs> but that's where you can email us or find us over on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Resident Stevel on Twitter um, or at Campy Kill Creations Pod or CBK Pod. I don't know. I don't really check that one, so don't worry about it. Tweet at Lissa. She follows, she runs the Cave Trolls Twitter. That's where you should find us. You can also check out Lissa on the Slovenly Trolls podcast, um, which you should do. It's awesome if you don't listen to it. If you listen here and not over there, what are you doing with your life? Like, go listen to the Slovenly Trolls. It's awesome. Charday's over there, and Charday runs the Twitter. Lissa, what's the Twitter handle for that one? Slovenly Trolls. At Slovenly Trolls. Look at that. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful marketing right there dave do you want the people to find you online i mean if they follow you guys they'll see me eventually <laughs> <laughs> that's not a way not a bad way to do it uh you can find dave on uh some of our live streams we did earlier on in our running over at twitch.com slash creations so there's that i get around <laughs> uh but that's it for the cave trolls uh we were here and we had a new thing that you wanted me to say and i don't remember what it was listen do you remember what it was no damn it well <laughs> we're the cave trolls and we're out <laughs> okay now comes that special time of the podcast where we get to thank our patreon producers you keep the lights on you keep the mics rolling and really, you make it possible to do all of this. We want to give a special shout-out. Thank you to the Lorax, who gets two special shout-outs, because I also thank you for speaking for the trees. We also have Jeremy Raymond. Raymond, thank you. Trellbot, the Highlander, thank you so much for being our first one and only, and then now in a group of four, but still thank you for being a Patreon producer. And finally, Kim Winson, thank you so much for being our patreon producers we appreciate you and we owe everything we do to people like you um i was trying to sound like the pbs thing you know paid for by viewers like you i don't think i can quite pull it off i haven't been watching enough sesame street lately so that's what i'm gonna go work on now mm -hmm.